see you. Thank you for coming out. Uh, Children's Church is downstairs for anybody who wants to go there, but they do cards, so you can't be an older person who's just trying to escape. You can go now. Okay, for those of you who don't know, uh, we have been in a three-episode mini-series uh, within our meant-to-be uh, emphasis, and it's called You Can Beat Temptation. Now, if you have been with us, this is the finale where we draw all of it together. But if you haven't been with us because you're just now checking out Bethany or you've had other plans on the weekends, look, don't worry. That's cool. We got you covered because we are going to touch on the high points of the two weeks that we've passed that uh, that just happened. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to Luke chapter 4. Uh, this is meant to be series. We're walking through the gospel of Luke with Jesus. We're reacting to him. It's very cool. Um, so we're in Luke chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, but you'd like to blend, um, check under one of the seats in front of you for a brown hardback. You want to flip to page 975. And if you have your smartphone or tablet with the free Version Bible app on it, please boot that up and quiet it down. We have every single one of the screenshots loaded on there for you. Now, you don't have to be a church person. You don't have to be this uber follower of Jesus Christ to care about beating down temptation. Because beating temptation is something that we need and we want no matter what we believe. And and so let's let's just relax into that. This is something we all have in common. And let's not make the mistake of assuming that beating down temptation, that beating temptation is about ultimately getting a life of less joy. It's exactly the opposite. Beating temptation is all about a life of ever-increasing joy, of greater joy. In fact, John Piper said it this way. He said, God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy. In fact, so this beating temptation isn't about a life of less joy. It's about letting God through us Kill those things that are going to kill your joy. And if you're up for that, that's what's going down. So let's go. Let's go. Now, before we dive in, we are going to take just a quick moment to do uh, like a 30,000 foot um, flyover review of where we've been. Now, if you find that that the things that we're touching on... um, are interesting to you. And maybe you just want to press in and find out more. Or you want to review them because you've heard them, but you need to refresh. I encourage you to go get the entire conversation on our website, gunnisonbethany.com. We have free podcasts loaded on there. They're also on iTunes, but they're harder to find there. So if you just go to Gunnison Bethany, um, you can catch up on these things that might um, be interesting to you. So let's go. Uh, Week one, we talked about this. We talked about beating craving type temptations, right? Those cravings that we have that cause so much trouble in our life. Now these come from the first four verses of the beginning of this story in Luke chapter 4. And in it, Jesus is starving in the wilderness. In fact, he hasn't had anything to eat for 40 days and Satan comes to him and he says, hey, you look pretty hungry. 
if you're really the Son of God, here's a rock. Why don't you turn that into a loaf of bread and eat it? Right? And Jesus tells him, the Bible says, the Word of God says, man does not live by bread alone. And basically what Jesus was saying when he's shutting the door on that temptation is, yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I crave food. But food is not my ultimate craving. My strongest and ultimate craving is to please my Father in heaven. And if I can do that, that's all I want. So back off. And that's what we say. So we have some take. We have some takeaways from beating craving temptations. The first one is this. When it, it shows us when temptation is likely to come. And one of those times is following a time of great blessing, which Jesus just had with the, his father's shout out and, and endorsement of him in, in the third chapter. The second is when you're vulnerable or weak. And we talked about what that might look like. And so uh, the second takeaway for us was this. And would you read this out loud with me, please? You can have the great life you want, or you can have whatever you crave, whenever you crave it, but not both. That's so important. You did so well with that. Number three, takeaway, here it is. Decide not to do things that will make you feel good now, but will make you feel bad later. And much longer makes sense, doesn't it? Because short-term pleasure is never worth long-term pain. Number four, and final takeaway from this week, how to beat craving temptations. First, guard your thoughts. The battle is won or lost right here. And we gave you a simple prayer for when those tempting thoughts come to you like they come to everybody. And here it is. God, take this from my mind and replace it with thoughts of you. Now, I must have prayed this a thousand times since we first talked about it. I hope you have too because it really, really gets you where And the second thing is avoid playing in the stadiums where you never win. If you were here with us, um, you remember we had a fun conversation about what that looks like. That means that we're not going to go in places or put ourselves in situations where we need our A game because we may not always have it. We'll talk more about that in a bit. And third is jaw. Jesus always wins against temptation. He always does, always has, always will. So stick with him and you'll win too. Week two. Week two, we were looking at these kinds of temptations. Beating priority temptations. They're different than our craving temptations. And that comes from the second part of this story. Verses five through eight. Now Satan takes Jesus, um, takes Jesus to uh, the stratosphere and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a split second. And essentially Satan says this, you see all this? You see all that? You want all this? You can have all this right now. Here's all you have to do. You just have to kneel before me. You just have to worship me. And Jesus shuts it down like that. And here's basically what Jesus says. The word of God says, God is the only one who should be worshiped by anyone at any time forever. So back off. And our, 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 our takeaways from that are this. Number one, temptation will offer you, will offer me whatever we want now if we'll just take our eyes off what's most important in our lives. 
And what does that look like? It looks like when we put short-term pleasure before long-term joy. When we put ourselves before others. And listen, um, every friend who's got a marriage who is, that is struggling or disintegrating um, has part of this in there. Put self before others. Put self before spouse. Put self before, right? And, and see, when we put, our, put outsides before insides, that could be yours, could be somebody else's. When we put appearances before heart. Um, fourth, put money, wealth, stuff before people and God. And, and finally, put pleasing yourself before pleasing God. God got edited out there, but you get the idea. Uh, the second thing, uh, the takeaway that we had from beating temptations of priority is this. Number two, would you read this with me? Instant gratification doesn't lead to the best of anything. Temptation always shows you the merchandise, not the price tag, the bait, but not the hook. And it will always cost you more than you imagine. So true. So true. And you did great. Number three takeaway is this. Jesus said no to all the kingdoms of the world for, for worshiping Satan because he saw the price tags and the hooks. And there were three of them that we talked about. First, if he did that, he would lose his love relationship with his father, which, as we said, was the most precious. Second, he'd get now, in a wrong way, what he was going to get later in a good way. That's saying no to instant gratification so that we could wait and get the pure goodness later. And lastly, if Jesus said yes, if you go back, he would lose you. He would lose you. Um, it refers to the joy set before him. We looked at a, at a striking verse of Scripture that said, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, the crucifixion. What was that joy that was so powerful that was before him that he said, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, that's worth it. It's you. It's you. And he would have lost that. And finally, our last takeaway is how to beat priority temptations. A, see the bait, see the hook, not just the bait, right? And sometimes if you're like me, you need to ask God, God, when I look at this, all I could see is the bait. Help me see the hook. Second one is commit to what's most important. This helps you and me keep from living a double life. A double life looks like when we say something's important, but we live in such a way that our life doesn't back that up. So commit to what's most important. And finally, be fully satisfied in Jesus. And we gave you a Jesus is better prayer that week that you could pray to help that along. Again, if you want the full story, the rest of the conversation, just pick up the podcast uh, on gunnisonbethany.com. Okay, today, after the longest introduction of ever, ever in sermon history, we're talking about beating this kind of temptation, beating SLC temptations. Now, if you grew up in Gunnison, you may think SLC stands for Student Leadership Council. What do you think SLC stands for? Somebody said Salt Lake City, the first service. <laughs> stupid life choices. Beating stupid life choices temptations. Can anybody relate? Any Really, just me. Okay. Yeah, good. We got some honest folks. Let's see how this played out in the life of Jesus. We're in Luke 4. Pick it up in verse 9. Here we go. And he took him to Jerusalem. Okay, who, who he? Who him? Okay, this is Satan taking Jesus to Jerusalem in the third temptation and set him 
on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written in your Bible, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. So, so Satan's taking Scripture, he's twisting it, he's taking it out of context to make his temptation look a little better. Right? So let's just hit pause and let's take a look at what's going on here. Here's what just happened. Satan takes Jesus on a road trip to the great temple in Jerusalem. And he whisks him up way high to the pinnacle. To the point. So not only is the temple in Jerusalem a grand structure, but the highest point, the steeple, if you will, is very high. It's built above a wall. Now, beyond the wall is a ravine. That goes far. So he has hundreds of feet in the air. And essentially, Satan is saying, Hey, God stuff, you you really the son of God? Jump. Jump. What would you do? Here's what I think Satan might have been thinking. He's thinking, look, if Jesus jumps, I win. Because one of two things can happen. If Jesus jumps, first, God could catch him. And if God the Father catches him, then Jesus will have succeeded in forcing God his Father to prove his love when he already told him that he was beloved in the third. It would break their trust relationship. It would break the love relationship, and I win. Or, option two, which is even more delicious for him, is God doesn't catch him. And Jesus commits suicide. And if Jesus commits suicide, then there is no cross. Jesus rescues no one from sin. Jesus saves no one from darkness and hopelessness. And I win. So, if Jesus jumps, either way, Satan thinks, I So what does Jesus do here? Let's take a look. Verse 12. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then uh, he's saying, Look, nobody forces God's hand ever. Not even me. Not even me. The second person of the Trinity. Nobody pushes God. Ever. Back off. Verse 13 says, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Now, before we go forward, you and I need to take note of this. That he's leaving, but he's not gone. He's coming back. He's looking for an opportune time. And what does that mean for you and for me? Now, if you, and, and when you, Beat temptation and pray and hope and encourage you that you do. But when that happens, don't let your guard down now. Don't do it. Because Satan is looking for an opportune time to come back. Either a time when you're, when you're feeling great blessing and you feel like you're on a mountaintop and you're invincible, right? We talked about that. Or when you're weak and vulnerable. And we talked about what that looks like too. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't, by all means, don't create 
an opportunity. I went through periods of my life where my, you would think my full-time job was giving Satan opportunities to shoot at me and putting myself in stadiums where I can't win. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because he's looking for an opportune time. Don't do that. You want to win. A few takeaways from this reading, and then we're going to wrap it up. The first takeaway from this is don't push God. Don't push God. No one forces God. No one forces God's hand. Ever. Not you, not me. Jesus wouldn't even do it. What does it look like? Because this always seems to me, don't put your Lord, your God to the test. What might that look like? It might look like my daughter. That's Quincy. Let's talk about her. No, she's not like she's talking to her mom. Now, now, now she's dialed in, right? No. She and I have this game. We've had this game for years. The game goes like this. She comes up to me, like as cute as she can, like, you know, Daddy, do you love me? She said that. Now, whatever she says next, I know is going to cost me a lot. A lot, you know, gonna cost me big time, but it's a game, and she knows, and I know that my response to whatever she's about to ask for be it a truck or clothes or whatever it is, right? But my response to that does not determine nor define whether or not I love her, and she knows this, and I know this. Why? Because I've already proven to her through her whole life my heart for her she knows that but we play the game it's fun the problem is that you and I sometimes do this to God and it's not really a game not in our hearts meaning which one of us hasn't said to God God if you really loved me If you really were there, and if you really loved me, you would do this for me. You would give this to me. You would change this circumstance. You would do this if you loved me. And if you don't, I guess you don't. You know, we've we've done that. And the real question is not whether God really loves us. The real question is whether we really love God. Take a look at this. Take a look at this, if you would. Prove your love for God. Don't demand that He prove His love for you. He already has. Just like I already have for Quincy. How has God already proved His love for you? Two words. Creation, which we sang about. And the cross, which we sang about. Creation and the cross. Creation. He's shown you that He loves you. Here's how. He made you. You are his masterpiece. In fact, the very thought of you was so beautiful in his mind, so wonderful in his heart, that he couldn't leave it an idea. He had to make you. And he's continuing to make you and to shape you into the you that he dreamed of when he made you because he loves you. Not just your creation, but the creation of everything around you and everybody around you and the mountains and the streams and all the beauty and the food and whatever it is you enjoy that he created. He created to bless you so you can enjoy it, so you can look at it and it would point back to him. And you would go back to him, the one who loves you. So it's just this cycle of love and creation is one of the ways that he's already shown you how much he loves you in the cross. What's the cross about? 
Well, when creation, when all of that wasn't enough, and you and I said, fine, but I'm going to ignore you, or I'm not going to believe in you, or I'm going to be rebellious against you, or I'm going to forget you, or I'm going to believe in you sometimes, but spend most of my life acting like you don't exist. And I don't want you to be God of my... He said, look, I get it, but I still love you. And I can't live without you. All this stuff is going to separate you from me. So I'm coming. I'm coming for you. I'm coming on a rescue mission. Okay, I'm going to come. I'm going to put skin on. My name is Jesus. And and I'm going to live the life that you wanted to, but you never could. You never could. That's okay. I got you covered. I'm going to do it for you. And then I'm going to take all your mistakes, all your sins, all your... Your, all your train wreckage um, that from your past, your present, your future, and all that stuff, because it's going to separate me from you, and I want that. I'm going to take all the guilt of that. I'm going to make myself guilty of all the things you're guilty of. So I'm going to lift all your guilt off you. I'm going to lift all the shame. I'm going to lift all the blame. I'm going to lift all the condemnation. I'm going to put it on me. And then I'm going to go, guiltless one, full of your guilt. I'm going to go and pay for that. I'm, I'm going to die the death that... that that sin deserves so that you don't have to that's how much i love you you're you're forgiven now i can love you now and forever creation and the cross and we say god if you really love me you would do what i say god if you really really love me you would do whatever i ask of you and here's why that doesn't work here's why that will never work Because when you and I demand that God do what we say, that means that you would be God. And I and anybody who knows you, that's a terrifying thought, right? Me being God, how much does that scare you? I don't even pick out my clothes well. But yet, we don't think that when we demand that God let us call the shots. Let us be in control. That we really want a God who will let us be God. And that is in fact a false God who has a name. The false God who says, yeah, you go ahead. You be God. You call the shots. Is Satan. And some of you need to hear that. Second takeaway is this. You and I can't do whatever we want and think God is going to protect us from the natural consequences of stupid life choices. Now, this is how we live a lot of times, isn't it? Sometimes we're tempted to say, God, why did you make this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to me, to my job, to my finances? Why did you let this happen to my relationships? my friendship. Why did you let this happen to my marriage? Why did you let this happen to my kids? Why did you make the... Right? When in reality, a lot of the time, it has everything to do with the life choices that you and I have made over and over and over again. And here's the good news. Here is the great news that that in Christ, because of the cross, when we're repentant, He loves stupid life choice people. He loves people who make stupid life choices. And it's so good that He did, because if not, we'd all be toast. Me, chief among them. Not just singed around the edges. I would be like, burnt to a crisp toast. Right? You can't even scrape it and pass it off. 
But, even though in Christ we have such a great Savior who is saying, I will wipe out your record before me when you trust in my work, my sacrifice on the cross. I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to love you like that. Most of the time, you and I will still have to walk through in this life the natural consequences of our bad life choices. You know this to be true. Galatians tells us this. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, uh, in Galatia that, that had forgotten. They said, he said, look, don't kid yourself. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He's, he's wise. He created everything. Keeps it all going. You can't put one over on him. Whatever one sows, that's not sow like a needle and thread. That's plant, right? That will he also reap. So in this, Paul is helping us see our life as a garden. That whatever seeds we're planting, that's the crop that we're going to harvest. That's the fruit that's going to come up. He said, don't be deceived. Whatever you're putting in is what you're going to get out. You can't plant rebellion and grow blessing. You can't plant seeds of destruction and reap joy. Even though God will forgive us and wipe us, our record before him clean many times, we're going to have to walk through the natural consequences of our bad life decisions. And our next one, number three, you know the word, you know power. No word, no power. Now word here we're talking about is the Bible, God's word. If you know the Bible, you will know and experience and possess power. No Bible, no power. No power. Why I mean this? Let's back up a second. Now, people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, we love them, but even they, most of them, will grant you this, that of all the people who have ever lived, Jesus is the one, the greatest, the only sin, temptation, beater downer. Right? He is the one all-star. In fact, there is nobody in history who rocked it like Jesus rocked it in terms of putting down temptation. Perfect record. Perfect record. Now, here's the question. If the Son of God, the God of the universe, used the Bible to beat down temptation, why would you and I think we can beat temptation without it? It just make, doesn't make sense. If, if you and I want to beat temptation like Jesus beat temptation, we got to know the Word of God because the enemy is going to twist it too. Once he got this pattern that Jesus was going to come back at him with the Word, he twisted it. So if he didn't know it better, you and I could know it. You and I can know it. So get in the habit of just reading your Bible daily. I mean, think about it this way. You're tempted daily, aren't you? It just makes sense. It doesn't matter. God bless you. doesn't matter where you start. Maybe in Psalms. Maybe some Proverbs. Maybe you want to start with the Gospel of John. James, so practical. You could start there. It doesn't really matter. If you're not in the habit, look, just start the habit. Habits always start someplace. Make this your starting place. And God will speak to you and you will know Him. Jesus is the Word made flesh. You're not just learning truth on a page. You're learning the heartbeat of a, of a God, your Savior. But sometimes, sometimes you don't, you need something specific, tailor-made to what you're facing. The decision you got to make, the temptation that you're wrestling with, you need a specific word. And we, we want to give you a tool to do that. First, take a look at this. Find, bind, 
remind. Huh? I'm kind of a poet, huh? It's not really good, but it does rhyme. Find. Find a verse. Right? We're going to show you how to do that. Bind. Memorize it. Just bind it to your mind. Bind it to your heart. Pick a shorter one. They're easier to memorize. Okay? To start out. Remind, which means just think on this throughout the day. Every time you do, just pray it. You are going to rock this thing. I want to show you a website. Cody's going to help us. It's called Open Bible. And you can find it. It's openbible.info. When you get to that page, just click on the topical Bible, and here you see the alphabet. Let's say your current temptation, the thing you're wrestling with right now, that you want to beat down is materialism, right? It's, it's you gotta you got to get all the things, and you got to run up your credit card debt. and then you're, So you go down to materialism under M, and look at all of this. These are all verses that apply to materialism. Just read through until God strums the heartstrings in you with one of them and you say this one this one is perfect you found it now bind it bind it just remember it memorize it and then remind yourself and pray this throughout the day you are going to win against temptation like you never have before that's just another tool for you okay moving on the final takeaway from this is number four don't give up don't you give up. Too much is at stake. Don't give up. How does that connect? Because Satan was coming to Jesus at the beginning of his ministry before everything broke free and was beautiful, right? And he's trying to take him out of the game. He tried to give Jesus the opportunity, the encouragement to give up, and he will do the same for you. Don't you do it. Don't give up because God has not given up on you. Some of you may have heard that that a lump of a diamond is simply a lump of coal that hung in there under pressure over time. Don't you give up. Don't give up. Let me tell you something. Dial in here. The reason the enemy wants to take you out of the game is because he knows that God is not done with you. He knows that God wants to do something good and glorious in and through you. God's not done with you. Don't you give up. And some of you, I know. I know you're thinking about giving up on something. Maybe it's a dream that you have that God has placed on your heart. Maybe it's your future. Maybe you're thinking about giving up on your education. Don't do it. Maybe it's your marriage. Don't do it. It doesn't matter how hard it is. The, the, the future is more glorious. Don't give up. Maybe you're giving up on your hope. Don't give up. There's so much more hope. There's so much more hope. Don't give up on your dreams. Some of you, some of you are thinking about, I know this, I know this because we have a lot of young people here. We've had an unprecedented number of suicide threats at Western this academic year. I know some of you either have or are or may think about giving up on your life. Don't do it. God has not given up on you. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter the accusations you play on those tapes over and over again. It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. God has a plan for your life. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're his masterpiece. He's not done. Connect with somebody. Let us help carry you. 
okay. Don't give up. Look, in recovery, they have a great saying in different recovery programs. Here it is. They say, don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens. Don't give up five minutes before the miracle comes. But if you give up, you'll never know. You'll never know. So don't give up. Look, there's something that, that I just need to make sure we all understand before we close. Um, before, the, before we do that, I want to give you a couple of questions to ask yourself. It doesn't matter what you believe right now. You can just ask yourself this question when you face temptation. Take a look. Is this the story I want to write with my life? When you face temptation, regardless of what you believe, you can ask yourself, is this the story I want to write with my life? Is this the story I, I want to tell my grandkids? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we'll zoom it down. It gets much simpler. Here's the question. Do I want this more than I want Jesus? Do I want this more than I want Jesus? Look, um, there's something that I wanted to get to that I want you to understand that Beating temptation, as we've talked about it over the last three episodes, isn't about self-help. It's about God's help. You see, the message of the gospel, the message of Scripture, the message of Christianity isn't try harder or try better or try smarter or try with better tools. The message of the Bible, the message of God, the message of the gospel is try Jesus Try Jesus. Uh, The book of Hebrews says this beautifully. For you and I don't have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Don't you and I always gravitate and run to the people who what? Understand because they've been there. Absolutely we do. And because that's true, we have a God who has been through this and He understands. So what do we do? It says there in verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to what? The throne of grace where our God, Jesus, who understands is sitting, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us with confidence. You know what that says to me? When you know what's there, when you know who's there, when you know that Jesus, full of grace, which is undeserved favor, which is lavish goodness and, and, and love that we don't deserve. When that's what's there for us, when mercy is there, when grace is there, when help is there, and it's all in Him, and He understands. With confidence, sprint all the time. Go to the throne of grace. Try Jesus, because while we've talked a lot about tools that you and I can use. And they come from Scripture to beat down temptation. And you and I would be wise to use them. You use all of these tools all the time. And miss Jesus, you don't find life until you find the source of life. So that's what I want to press into. It's not just try harder. It's not just try better. The news is better than that. Try me, Jesus says. And as as I pray for you, as I have um, 
I really sense that, that God is, is speaking to some hearts. And, and maybe this word is for you. That God is speaking to your heart and saying, Look, I love you. I love you. But you need to know that the reason you're not beating temptation in your life is because you really don't want to beat temptation in your life. You, you, you just want to manage it. You just want to manage it. I love you, but you don't want to be done with sin. You just want to manage it. You just want to keep it under control so it doesn't get too out of hand, but you enjoy it too much to be done with it. And I can't help you there. I won't help you manage temptation. I won't help you manage sin because I love you too much because it's going to kill you. I can help you be done with it. You gotta want that. But I love you, so come, run to the throne of grace. You can find me. You can start again. And I will change your heart. I will give you a new appetite. Maybe that's what God is saying to you. To others of you, I know that you're probably gonna forget. Most of what I've said before you finish lunch, and that's okay. But Jesus is talking to some of your hearts saying, come to me. I love you. Aren't you tired of trying this on your own? I made you for me. Come home. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Here's your chance. To say, I get it. I hear you. I'm in. I'm yours. Let's pray. God. Oh, thank you for your love. It's so humbling. Because you show us who we are. And you show us who you are. And the difference is so stark. And yet you say... You're my beloved. And you want us. And Lord, for whatever you're pressing on people's hearts to come to you, to run to the throne of grace, to not put you to the test, but to trust you. Lord, to find life in you. Lord, and for others who really, they're hearing you your invitation, Jesus saying, come to me. I am your home. I am your life. Don't miss out. I've longed to hold you both now and forever. I fought a great battle for you. Come enjoy the victory. Come home. Please, uh, please give us the courage to respond to you in whatever you've laid on us. You are so good. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, um, some of you may say, look, I, I need somebody to just talk to confidentially, privately. Somebody to help me pray for this, this thing or something else. I hang out quietly on those steps right back there while we pray, while we sing. If, if you want to talk, you just come. You just come. I love you.